1: This is Rebecca Buchanan, host of New Books Network, New Books and Popular Culture. And today I'm here with Natasha Lance Rogoff, who is the author of Muppets in Moscow, the unexpected, crazy, true story of making Sesame Street in Russia. Natasha, thanks for being with here with me today. It's wonderful to be here with you, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. So before we kind of get into your story of bringing Sesame Street to Russia, could you talk a little bit about, um, so this happened in the night, right, in the mid-90s. Why now? Why did you decide you wanted to kind of write about this now? Well, I think that I had been thinking about
2: writing it for a very long time because I started it. Uh, back after we completed Sesame Street in Russia. The show aired in 1996. And I had journals from then and written a, uh, you know, quite a bit at that time. Um, And then uh, 9-11 happened and two children later. And I put the book aside. Um, And then in, um, you know, after the Crimean uh, invasion by Russia, um, and the increasing, um, <clears throat> uh, I'd say, deterioration of relationships, uh, relations between the US and America, um, as well as uh, Putin's um, cracking down on independent media, which accelerated from that time, from the time that our show was taken off the air. Um, I I kept thinking that uh, we were missing something in the U.S. in terms of understanding the people, the culture, the history. And somehow uh, the, you know, popular media and news wasn't quite capturing it. You know, many academics did beautifully. I mean, there were so many great books that were written about Russia at this time, particularly focused on culture. And I thought that the, you know, story of making Sesame Street in Russian was a wonderful way to translate the culture as as I had experienced it as an American in the 1990s, and also in the 1980s, you know, as a journalist covering the Soviet Union. So the Sesame Street was made in in um between 1992 and 1996 the first season which ran two years and then there was a second season and a third season and so on uh but uh i felt like by by 2016 uh every television show in the u.s had a bad russian character like or i would say many of the tv series that featured russians featured. You know Russians as uh, oligarchs, thugs, criminals, prostitutes, and and that just didn't ring true to the people. You know the four hundred people on my team, artists who were puppeteers, writers, filmmakers, and um, I just thought uh, you know this wasn't a an accurate depiction of the country, and it was a kind of a caricature. So. Uh, you know that that sort of was festering for quite a while with me and i i really want you know it bothered me because i had many close friends who were uh, as committed as i was and so many people were in the west in order for russia to be better to be freer to be kinder and a part of the free world so i just felt like You know, it was an opportunity to take this experience, and um, and that other people would find it fascinating, as I did at the time.
1: Well, and I will say that you know I was. Robin and I are the same age. Robin, you're ex- one of your um, one of your uh, producers, partners, yeah. producers, yeah. Um, and so I grew up with Sesame Street, but I never knew that Sesame Street, you know, existed in Russia. So there's that to right? There's this little bit of history that, like, I was like, this is super fascinating, right? That that existed, that like, so for for the like, you know, two or three people that don't know. And, and I think Sesame street has a longer history than a lot of people know about. So could you just maybe put this in the, uh, in sort of the context of Sesame street and what Sesame street was trying to do, um, during the, you know, eighties and nineties? Yeah. Um, I mean,
2: Sesame street is, was an incredibly, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> um, I'd say revolutionary company, a nonprofit. You know, a children's television company that was a nonprofit that was set up to educate children around the world, uh, create uh, um, uh, equality in terms of literacy, and to um, to foster uh, what I would call idealistic values of tolerance, compassion, uh, and kindness, as well as teaching numbers and letters. So. Um, you know, the, the, the company, the first show aired in uh, 1969 and then um, uh, sometime later, uh, I think the first international co-production was in Mexico, but I'm not sure. Um, I came in, you know, much later uh, in, in 1992 and actually uh, produced Plaza Sesimo, which is the Mexican uh, Sesame Street series, which aired uh, across Latin America, as well as on uh, Univision in the U.S. Uh, much earlier. So uh, they had programs, when I was working for them initially, I think in about 20 or more countries. They were primarily, um, primarily I would say... Um, countries that were certainly mostly more stable <laughs> than than Russia was at the time and so a good number of the productions were in Europe then in Latin America and I believe there was one production that was done in Kuwait uh, but uh, you know that's that's if, if my memory serves me right that's that's kind of uh You know what i what i remember and uh their success was phenomenal you know the they had uh the golden touch combining the research model with the production model and some of the most talented artists uh who came together you know jim henson uh, john stone who was the first director and an incredible team of writers and the 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 um, the feeling on the set, from what I understand, because John Stone uh, mentored me when I came to Sesame Street. I mean, I had no idea how lucky I was because I was new to children's television and didn't didn't really have the know the folklore, you know. And um, I just, you know, he just jumped in and and we became friends and. He came with me uh, to Mexico to do the director's workshop, so I, I had no idea how lucky I was, you know. And then meeting Arlene Sherman, who was the in charge of all the live action film and the uh, animations for uh, the American show, you know, she was utterly brilliant. She's passed now, but you know, I got to work with people that were, uh, you know, I had never worked with people like this before. It was it was an incredible experience and you know, the the reach that Sesame Street had in the United States and the good that it did, um, you know, both in terms of social change and uh, literacy was, you know, incredibly impressive. Um, So the same thing was happening overseas. A caveat, though, was that most of the productions were organized with state television And whereas in the U.S., we had the beginning of cable and, um, you know, we had at least three TV stations and then many more. Um, In most of these countries, it was much more circumscribed. So you were really, in most cases, working with a state broadcaster. So anyway, in the case of Russia, it was a different story. (laughs)
1: Right. So one of of the things, um, I mean, there's so many things about this that were great, your book that are great, but you, so you divide it kind of into these three parts um, and you bring in your personal experience. I And I do really appreciate that you're also like thinking of it from this, like being a woman in television, right? Being a woman in in this situation, like being a woman in so many spaces um, and dealing with this, but you kind of start with being introduced to Sesame Street and how you got thrown into this so you were it it wasn't a love of children's television it was a love of Russia that kind of brought you into this space so can you kind of um talk about like or, or you know set up that like what you were doing why you even got involved in this project and what you know and and some of that Well, it was, it was a, I would have to say
2: it was completely random (laughs) and I was, you know, I had just finished a documentary film called Russia for sale, the rough road to capitalism, where I had embedded, this was in 19, between about 1989 to 91. And I spent two years making this, this film, which aired on PBS. Um, and, uh, I, um, I had embedded myself with uh, communist fascists at their meetings. They were anti-capitalists, anti-American, and was filming um, many of these people, as well as the police chief in charge of economic crime, who was throwing people in prison uh, for selling things like furniture. <laughs> You know, so because speculation, i.e., selling things for a profit, i.e., not the state selling it, was illegal. So I thought, okay, I want to do that. And then the um, also followed a um, steel worker who ended up leading uh, the strike in Leningrad, late now called Saint Petersburg, against um, the Communist Party and the Communist regime. So the the film ended predicting the coup of 1991, which overthrew the Soviet empire. And the night of the coup, I got a call from ABC, and then they wanted to air uh, footage from the film I had just finished because I had been living with some of the people, you know, making this film for such a long time who were trying to overthrow then the... um, you know the new democratic government. So, um, anyway, the Sesame Street uh, executives, and this is this is this story is in the book. But two executives, Gary Nell, Steve Miller, showed up at uh, one of my screenings in New York City and asked me if I would help them bring Sesame Street to Russia. And they had just watched my film, so I said, "Did you?" Did you just watch my film cuz I don't know anything about children's television and I actually don't know anything about children and um and and you know the film is incredibly dark. I mean it's following somebody who was in prison for 2 years. It's shot inside a prison in part two. And they said, "Look, uh, you know, we've been trying to get this up and running for quite a while. We have uh potentially some support from USAID. Uh, You know, um, Senator Biden, then Senator Biden had spearheaded congressional support for a Russian, original Russian version of Sesame Street. And you know, this was, this was the zeitgeist at the time. The project had bipartisan support. The idea was that we were going to help Russia, uh, you know, develop more open values so that they could join the, you know, global world of democracy. Um, I, I, you know, I thought this was a nutty idea. I mean, particularly great what they were going to do, but I thought I'm, I'm really not the right fit for this. And, um, and then they just said, well, why don't you come down to the office, uh, Sesame headquarters and talk with us. So I did that, uh, a little while later after talking to my sister and a bunch of friends, And I walked in and of course, it was this otherworldly, you know, such uh, fresh faced, you know, um, enterprising young people who were saving the world and, you know, using media and television to to educate children. I mean, it was very positive environment. And having lived in Russia for the past 10 years, it was really different from what I had seen. And it was also a nonprofit company. So it was an actual company versus you know, what I had lived my life doing, which was being an independent filmmaker and not working for a company. <laughs> so I, I, I ta- as I talked with the, um, the Sesame Street um, execs there, what they were trying to achieve with the show was really seductive. I mean, the idea of using television in this way Uh, And as a filmmaker, the idea that you would use, you know, live action film, animation, writing in order to model another vision of what the society could look like, of how people would interact and behave, but still have it be based on their own culture and their own values and that you'd create the show with educators from that region so that um, the show would be very, you know, would reflect post-Soviet society in a comfortable way. We, we weren't not talking about um, importing a Disney show or something like that. We were talking about creating a new show with, you know, hundreds of artists, local artists and musicians. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. And, and then... I was aware that so many of the people I knew that I had already uh, chronicled through previous films, uh, one for ABC, which was called Rock Around the Kremlin and was about underground rock and roll and how people, uh, you know, musicians were persecuted and couldn't uh, record their music uh, or sell their music because the state owned the means of production. And they didn't want rock and roll. There's a lot of writings about this. I wrote about it in uh, a German magazine and for an English magazine about how, you know, the idea that, that rock and roll was, you know, poisoning Soviet youth. So there's a lot written about this. And I thought, wow, if I if I took this job, maybe some of these people could write music for this new show. And Wow, that would be incredible, you know. Um, Additionally, you had the state-owned television station. So what if we didn't do it with the state TV station? And I went to Sesame Street and said, well, if I did this, would you agree that we could develop it as a, you know, with independent producers? Like, basically... This could be a way of, of building infrastructure for independent media and transferring uh, technology skills to the community of independent artists, um, as well as perhaps providing equipment that they didn't have, uh, you know, which would help them develop their independent media, ie a free press. So that that to me, you know, suddenly it was like, that was catnip to me. I thought, okay, I love that. This, this is great. I, this is a challenge. I could, you know, dig my feet, my my feet, my my hands into whatever. And, and that, um, you know, even though I was definitely intimidated, totally intimidated by the prospect of, of, um, you know, producing a children's television show, because I knew, I knew nothing about that. I thought the other aspects of it were familiar to me. I had made films in Russia and, uh, you know, worked with some crews. And I thought, I thought, you know, certainly it was going to be easier than making a documentary because it was a puppet show. So everybody would be nicer. I wouldn't be dealing with like fascists and, and uh, you know, violent situations that I would be encountering. So.
1: And that did not, like, so Yeah, one of the, like, things that is really great is, like, in this story there are, there's that, like, Yeah. How do you navigate that? How do you navigate in this world, in this space where there's more freedom that people have not had and they have to kind of figure out what that means? Right. But there's not complete freedom either. And so, I mean, you have many sort of stories in here for getting this, off, you know, getting this off the ground. But one of the things I love is that you kind of talk about how you have to sort of navigate your relationships and what your values of the free press or how you want this to work with um what what um some of the people you work with like think about or value you know how you kind of navigate those spaces so um can you talk a little bit about like some of those you know some of the key people that really helped you um make this happen Well,
2: obviously, it's a a group effort. I mean, you can't make uh, a television series of 52 half hours in a country that has an extremely limited experience with making episodic television. The most that they had made before we did this was uh, one TV show that had 12 episodes. And when we first presented the idea to our creative team, uh, the film, the guy who became the head of the uh, film, uh, uh, the, you know, film, he, he was the, I'm <laughs> thinking in Russian, so um, the, uh, the director of the filmmakers for the uh, TV series, uh, Sergei Novikov, uh, he said, you know, that's impossible, you know, and you can't. And when we asked, you know, the group to make production schedules and they were like, you know, you can't do that. You know, nobody knows what's going to happen. And then someone else would say, uh, you can't even write it down. Because if you do, then, you know, that's even worse. Because <laughs> you know? so, it'll never work anyway. There'll be a coup. The Camera will break. People will, <laughs> you know, won't arrive. <laughs> anyway, uh, but the team that was, um, that, that uh, I was able to assemble, you know, I, I am, it's, it's even hard to think about it now in the context of what's happened uh, to their country and in Ukraine. And so many of them have had to flee lately, uh, you know, in the last couple of months from the country, uh, or some of them uh, who are uh, Ukrainian are afraid in Russia. And then on the other side, you know, what's happening and what their country doing in Ukraine, it's, it's horrible for them. But the crew that we created um, uh, included some of the top uh, uh, children's television people. But it wasn't children's television, children's film and theater people. So most of the, the group uh, had that background. And at the time, the, um, the film industry in Russia was black. Nothing was being produced because there was no money. And before that, all the money had come from the state because it was a communist state-run society. So there was this period of transition, which is exactly the period that we made uh, Sesame Street in, where many of these people had no jobs. And at the time, I actually didn't know that. And when I spoke to Volodya Gramatikov, who is the chief director, literally in January of 2020, when I was inter- I went back to Moscow and interviewed people and he told me this story and he said, you know, when you asked me to join you and become the chief director, I said, well, maybe. And I kind of played hard to get. And, uh, you know, and then you chased after me. And he said, actually, I hadn't had a job for many months. And I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to feed my family. But he never told me that for like, you know, almost 30 years. And um, there were so many people in the book. Uh, Leonid Zagalski is my um, my buddy, <laughs> my business partner. And he's quite a character, really fun character in the book, Um He's actually coming to the state soon, and I'm very excited that he's gonna be able to get out for a little bit. Um, And we had been working together previously for many years, um, and I don't think the show would have happened without his involvement. I asked his advice and guidance on everything, and he also connected me with people who knew him well. And in Russia, uh, your personal relationships are everything, everything in a society that is lawless, where there is no rule law, where it's generally corrupt. These friendships are what protect you. And people trusted me. I had my own group of friends, but Leonid had his own group of friends, too. And with him by my side, uh, I was I was trusted. Um, and then uh, my American uh, team, which uh, included um, Robin Hessman, who was a brilliant uh, filmmaker who uh, I hired at 22, um, came in with no TV experience, but I had seen a film she had done, and I thought, this is an incredible film. It's so beautifully uh, written, shot, uh, I, I and it's so soulful. And um, uh, I have to work with this person. Um, but she was so young that my boss at the workshop, at Sesame Workshop was like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> and it took quite a while for me to uh, politically within the company be able to convince the, um, the uh, higher-ups to allow me to, to add her to the team. And um, her again, the show you know would not have been possible without her coordination and helping. And um, you know, she, she spoke Russian fluently as well, and so um, and was the same age as the younger cohorts that we were bringing in too. And she brought in many of her friends to uh, to be on the team also. So it was, you know, an incredible environment. And then, I mean, there's so many people that are involved in this that we literally, our team was 400 people by the end of it. So I can't, you know, even talk about everybody, but it's many, many, many people, as well as, you know, Irina Barisova, who's in the book, who was my my counterpart in terms of on the business side. And without her believing that it was possible to do this show, and take the risk of, of investing her own money and sponsoring it. Uh, it would never have happened either. So uh, there, and you know, there's a number of people who have since passed away who were absolutely critical in this process. It had it, it was all interlocking pieces, you know, uh, so many different uh, parameters that allowed this to succeed. And yet it did succeed and it succeeded for, you know, more than 10 years and, you know, educated and helped millions of children across the former Soviet Union, including Russia, Ukraine, you know, the entire, uh, you know, cross 11 time zones. So, you know, this is the kind of thing that we need to think about in the future when we are, um, you know, thinking about how to shift,
0: That's shopify.com slash system.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it kind of read like the soap opera where, it, you know, something would go wrong and then last minute it worked, right? Like you kept figuring out or kept meeting new people or someone would come along at just the right moment um, when it was needed. And it all like last minute came together. <laughs> With everything. And I thought it was really interesting too, even thinking about like creating the puppets and what that was like and finding people who could. Um, and, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, when you were sort of crafting and putting the show together, um, people would be worried that you wouldn't have anyone who's going to show up for auditions. And then you had hundreds of people come out and want to do this work. So you could see the, there was a lot of that like hunger or yearning to be a part of something like this, to be a part of something that was going to be new and different and bring that to the country and to the space. Yeah, no,
2: that's absolutely true. And the, the atmosphere on the set, uh, was like nothing I'd ever experienced in Russia before. And we were, you know, both Russians and Americans working together Uh, you know, as equals, and and as a woman who ran this, you know, I was very uh, attentive to being inclusive, making sure everybody felt welcome, and also engaging everybody's ideas. You know, we did not have a uh, clear hierarchical system. I would say that was my intention. I was constantly bumping up against things like where, you know, a particular... Uh, like the head writer, you know, wouldn't be as respectful to the women writers or something like that. And eventually we had to also fire people because of that. So, you know, we were, there was some uh, element of always trying to make sure that we maintained a, an environment that reflected the values that Sesame Street upholds. Um, so, you know, that was that was very important, I think, to, to our uh, creative group. You know, both the Russians and the Americans. Mm -hmm. Russians, meaning not Russian. I keep saying Russians, but there were all different kinds of people there. There were Armenians, uh, you know, especially a lot of Georgian animators and um, people from all over the place.
1: And you're both like, and, and at the time, too, you are falling in love, right? Like, so there is yeah, your love. So, like, there is so much going on at this, and I think um, we see both things that you know, and some really frightening things when you get a call about the, you know, the 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 space being invaded, and you have to move out. Um, so, so there is this mix of these really fun and funny stories, and then these really sort of terrifying spaces, and that you have to kind of navigate during this time. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, that's, it was, uh, you know, stop, start, run, sprint, uh, be buried under the ground, uh, be shot up. You know, I mean, it was like, uh, completely unpredictable and uh, very, very, very tough, you know, extreme stress. And, you know, by the time I was pregnant, I, I really was like, wondering if this was a, you know, could is this really a good idea? This is like not, there were many moments when it was absolutely amazing, uh, emotionally like just such a high and then also very low times
1: it went from and and we know it gets but you went from like not being sure if you were going to air this to having it being aired in on two major television stations right so can you talk a little bit about that like like that success when you right, like you were saying like it took years to get this off the ground it was something that was never done before and then You went from going, is it going to happen to it happening and happening in the way that it did. So what was that? Can you talk a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, I mean, the. um, The uh, so as we
2: were finishing the show. It coincided with an election period, a presidential election in Russia. And so many people thought that the current uh, Democratic you know, or aspiringly democratic leader Boris Yeltsin would lose to Zhuganov, who was a communist, and that the country would then shut down again. And in that moment, that was all very real and terrifying for people. And we had all, we had all experienced over the past, um, uh, you know, a period of time, several attempts to take over the TV station, uh, in um, in 1993 there was a, an actual a physical attack on the TV station there were bullet holes still in the TV station um, at the entrance and people there they the um, uh, uh, the group trying to take over the station had brought tanks there um, so that was where we were looking coming from and um, when the uh, Sesame Workshop had an entire team of people—Steve uh, Miller, Baxter Urist, Gary Nell, um, and another group from uh, from the Russian side, the Russian business side—with Yudina Barisova, and they were all trying to get um, established interlocking degrees in order to air the show uh, with. Uh, Russia's largest television station, Astankina. And um, I was very focused on doing the production side at this point. So, this team, I, I would talk with Leonid, my, my confidant and co partner, and all this stuff. But we, um, you know, they were primarily uh, running this and meeting with various potential sp- sponsors to get the show supported because um, you couldn't. So advertising had only just started. We had had advertising in America. Everybody remembers the thirties, the forties, the fifties. Well, it didn't exist in Soviet communist Russia. They didn't have that kind of advertising. They had advertising for the great proletariat or the, uh, you know, October revolution, glory to the October revolution. And, you know, TV shows celebrating tank drivers. So um, in this case, advertising had just begun and there was a lot of money flowing into it from the West, which meant that if you have a, a society without rule of law, you also have corruption. So it was also quite dangerous. And it was only after the communist presidential candidate was defeated that this deal was able to happen because then people uh, who were investing, companies that were investing in the West, as well as Russians involved in advertising, felt confident that they weren't going to lose their investment. So through an absolutely incredible uh, series of negotiations, this show ended up Airing on Russia's two top TV stations, and um, and they um, they had never done this before. It was an unprecedented deal. You know the we had. Uh, there was a man who ran a new TV station in Tibet, which was uh, Sergey Malashenko, who recently passed. And uh, he was a brilliant man who was also trying, brave man, trying to change Russia for the better and change television. Um, he uh, he was critical in this negotiation. Sesame Street, Nestle's, uh. Simon Hewitt was another person from, I think, McKinsey Erickson, something like that, Uh, McCann Erickson. And then um, uh, they, they just put this deal together and it ran. Um, The show was then going to be aired uh, across the 11 time zones for two years. And there was a pickup deal afterwards for, uh, you know, a second season. When I heard about this, the success of this deal, I was already in the United States, about to have a baby. (laughs) So I had to leave to come back. My husband wanted to be there. And so I just I was thrilled, you know, I just couldn't believe they did it. I I just couldn't believe they actually pulled it off. Um, But it was it was very exciting.
1: Yeah, and so then it aired all over, right? So your book goes through all this this sort of great ups and downs and experiences and kind of brings in your experiences as well. And um, so uh, we could probably talk Sesame Street forever, but I'll ask you my kind of final question. But the book just came out, right? Like two weeks ago, maybe? Does that Mm -hmm. sound about right? (laughs) Uh, So are there is there anything either that you're working on now or anything with the book, you know, that you want to plug, um, or talk about?
2: Yeah, it's you're the first person that asked me that. Um, I absolutely hope, uh, you know, as a first time author, it's very difficult to get the word out about the book. And, um, I really hope that it finds its way to readers because once they read the book, you know, then they're, they're like, I, I love this. I mean, it's just been a great response from people who read it. But, you know, the, the real challenge is how to get the information out there and share it with people. Um, and, uh, you know, I could even see this as a um, TV series, you know, like a fictional TV series, which then gets broader view to for people who can, You know connect with those same very compelling characters and you know this gripping story that moves super fast um but i think you know we had a tremendous impact by making this show um and um you know at the time it aired the children just went wild for it. And the, you know, the stacks of fan mail we got with children talking about how they love the Slavic Muppet, you know, Zeli Boba, Zeli Boba, because he's, you know, not afraid to make mistakes. And, you know, other children talk about, um, you know, how they can, uh, uh, they talk about how it's so nice that they can trust, you know. People So these, these ideas that were in a very fearful society that they lived in previously, not on the personal level, obviously, you know, at, in their own homes, they were safe and had lots of love, but just from the regime itself and um, the difficulties that existed under communism. And also afterwards, I mean, after communism collapsed, it was still very difficult for, for different reasons. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I take solace in thinking about the, the fact that the people that are leaving Russia now who don't want to fight and are opposed to the war grew up on Ulitsa Sazon. They're, you know, Russia's Sesame Street generation. They're in their late thirties, uh, in their late twenties and their early thirties. The same people who are, fighting on the Ukrainian side for freedom and independence, who became independent during, you know, the, the period that we were making this show. Um, they are also Ulysses Sazam's generation. They, they grew up on Sesame Street too. So for me, when I think about, you know, what is the legacy of Sesame Street in post-Soviet society, I think about that. And um, and I believe that uh, that we'll get
1: another chance, and when we do, we should be ready. Well, thank you, Natasha, for talking with me again. Muppets in Moscow, Natasha Lance Rogoff. Um, thanks for talking with me for New Books in Popular Culture. It's a fabulous book.
2: Thank you so much, Rebecca. I really appreciate it. You will.